And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> Tell us, you think we could listen to the radio or something? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Lamari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the adept Lisa Wolf. In this hour, we'll rock it off into the future on X-1 from 1956. But first, Lisa Wolf Dillon is our lyricist for Learning the Lyrics. Lisa will read popular song lyrics that have a girl's name in the title, right, That's Lisa? That's right, Carl. And, and it's I'll try, not Roxanne. Right, to guess the name of the songs while you play at home, right, Lisa? Right, so we're going to have a little Roxanne. bit of fun. But it's not you don't yet. have to turn on, on the red light. light. It, that's a not good song for this. There's not a lot of lyrics in that okay. song. So we're going to start with this bum, one. Bum, bum. You ready? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. I hear you calling. I hear you calling. But I can't come home right now. I hear you calling, but I can't come Me home. Me and right. the boys are playing. And, and we just home. can't find the sound. Just a few more hours. And I'll be right home to you. I think I hear them calling. What can I do? What can I do? Does this sound familiar? Mm. In the far echoes yeah. of my brain. That's the best it's part very of it. far more away. Of a, that's the best part for you. Keep going. Okay. Um, you say you feel so empty that our house just ain't a home, that I'm always somewhere else, and you're always there alone. Just a few more hours, and I'll be right home to you. I think I hear them calling. What can I do? What can I do? I think I hear him calling. What can I do? What can well, I I'm do? Well, I'm skipping the name of the girl, obviously, in those lines. Oh. And I hope you'll be all right. I hope you'll be all right. Because me and the boys will be playing. Because me and the boys. Will be playing all night. Me and the boys will be playing all, all night. night. Mm-hmm. All night long. No. <laughs> different. Different. Listen, here's the name. I hear you calling. Like, but I can't. Come like home Linda, right now. I hear you calling. Exactly. Or whatever. Right. Like Lin- Linda. Linda, I hear you calling. Linda, I hear you calling, but I can't come. But home I can't right come now. home right now. Me and the boys are playing, and we just can't find long the tall Sally. No, listen. Just a few more hours. Just a few more and hours. I'll be right home to you. I I can't. Go ahead. Oh, Maybe Linda. you should just uh, yell out a bunch of girls' names. Oh, Linda, what can I do? <laughs> yeah. Try one. Mary. More. <laughs> let's, Mary, let's play. I'll lasso the moon for let's you, Mary. If I hear you call, I would have never gotten this. What? You don't know the song? It's I, Kiss. I know, but I don't. I don't think I would have got it. So I figured you wouldn't get this one, but my guess is that you'll get the next two. Yeah. Isn't this like uh, in a, from a play or something? No, this is Kiss. And I'll be right 
think they did you. this in Glee. <laughs> they did. Because uh, Quinn had a baby named Beth. <laughs> oh, Beth, what can I do? Oh, Beth, what can I do? Anybody watch Glee out there? They did this. Am I going to get a record deal out of this show? Well, or I don't not? Keep, do you know the words to this song? Beth, what can I do? You sound like you're in agony. Don't I sound like John Travolta there a little bit? You sound like you're on the toilet. (laughs) 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 Sorry. (laughs) Don't I sound a little bit like John Travolta? Right home to you. (laughs) Either that or you're doing something else. (laughs) Beth, what can I do? Oh, Beth. What can I do? Well, kind of a John Travolta song. It's a good song. Yeah, I I haven't heard this song maybe once in my life. Well, none of these songs have we heard recently. Right, so I I didn't get that one. one. All right, hang on. Hang on a second. Let's hear that dreaded sound. There it Uh, is. I hear that in my nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're moving on. Like Lisa calls, and I'm like, Uh. and this is, hi, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Here we go to the next song. Okay. okay? Wait, let me, okay. Cleanse, let me cleanse my palate here. All right. I don't think you can. Go ahead. Clean. Um, <laughs> there is nothing that is wrong in wanting you to stay here with me. I know you've got somewhere to go, but won't you make yourself at home and stay with me? And don't you ever leave? Anything? Uh-huh. Uh, and rest you in my arms. Don't you think you want someone to talk to? Do you no, want someone to talk? Yeah, no need to leave so soon. Yeah, I've been trying all night long just to talk to you. Oh, That's God. a key line. Think about that. I've been trying. I've been trying all night, all long, night long to, talk, to talk to, to you. you. And the sun ain't nearly on the rise. The sun ain't nearly <laughs> on the rise. And we still got the moon and stars. We still above. got the moon and stars above. No, I don't have it. No, you don't. Mike, do you know the song? Yes, I do. Okay. I'm a big fan of uh, this artist. I am too. I'm just making sure I'm not missing the boat here. Listen to this one line. You've missed it a long time. (laughs) Long time ago. That that, that ship sailed, Lisa. Long (laughs) time ago. I've been trying all night long just to talk to you. I've been trying all night long just to talk to you. Yeah, that's a key line. I don't know. Okay, let's play it. There is nothing that is wrong. Trying all night long just to talk to you. Great tune. Yeah, it's a great one. You just didn't quite pick it. Yeah. Okay. Ah, I'm over right. two, man. All right. Well, hang on a second. Mike's prediction did two. not come Jeez. true, but you've got a chance to redeem yourself on the final <sighs> song, and you've definitely heard of this song as well. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Ooh, my little pretty one, pretty one. When you're gonna give me some time? Ooh, you make my motor run. My motor run. Mm. My motor, my motor run. Got yeah, it coming yeah. off the line. Yeah. Never going to stop. Give it up. Such a dirty mind. Always ne- oh, get it up. 
for the touch of my younger mind. Never give it up. Yeah, keep it going. Yes, yes. Such a dirty mind. Such a dirty mind. Always get it Always up get for it the touch up of the, the younger kind. Come a little closer, huh? Come yeah, a little closer, boy. Come, Anna, boy. come close enough to look into my, my eyes. Um, My Sharona. My Sharona. And that. There it is. Ooh. Is her name Sharona? Sharona. That's a weird name. It is. We had Beth and Sally and Sharona. You know, when you said uh, songs with a woman's name, I thought you were going to do Jenny Jenny. Oh, 867 Jenny? Yeah, that's a great one, too. My Sharona. Well, all right. You got one out of three. My Sharona. Pretty good for you. You didn't have to hear the buzzer on this one. I got one out of three. Yeah, but you don't have to hear the buzzer again. So that's always a a plus. That's 3.33. It's not a bad average, 3.33. Right. It's like, right. 33%. That's that's great, Carl. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's ah, great. I like this song. And I like the... uh, Eric Clapton song. And you like sure. that too, you just didn't know nah. it. Oh, it's a good song. All right, well, thanks, Lisa Wolf. <laughs> thanks, Carl. Appreciate Amari. you. All right, when we come <laughs> back, we're going to rock it off into the future on X minus one from 1956. So stay with us. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right, we're going to rock it off into the future on X-1. And uh, this is a good, good episode, June 19th, 1956. Uh, This series, X-1, came to radio in 1955, lasted until 1958. It was actually a revival of an earlier series called Dimension X. Dimension X was on the air from 1950 until 1951. And then it took a little hiatus for a couple of years, and then they brought it back. And I don't know why they didn't call it Dimension X again. They decided to change the name to X-1. But it had the greatest young authors, sci-fi authors, contributing stories to a magazine called Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine. And then that magazine was in cooperation with this series. And then they would take some of those stories and dramatize them on X-1. They did the same thing on Dimension X. Like um, Ray Bradbury stories and uh, Isaac Asimov stories. Um, This particular one is... um, See, it's H.L. Uh, Gold wrote this story. It's called Project Trojan from June 19th, 1956. Here now is part one of X minus one. In just a moment, X minus one. But first, a quiz program does not always improve your IQ. But what's an NBC radio quiz program? 
Well, you can be sure it'll improve your disposition. Yes, NBC offers listeners a laugh lesson every Wednesday night with two fun-filled question-and-answer shows. One is Truth or Consequences, and though you may never learn why a chicken crosses the road, you'll howl as contestants perform the stunts dreamed up by M.C. Jack Bailey. The other is You Bet Your Life, and with a quiz master like Groucho Marx, your good time is always guaranteed. Hear Truth or Consequences and You Bet Your Life with Groucho Marx tomorrow. Now stay tuned for X-1 on NBC. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, presents... X minus one... Tonight, Project Trojan by Ernest Canoy. Most of the greatest contributions and biggest messes in history have been made by two kinds of brains, the devious and the literal. We quote from the monthly column written for Galaxy by its editor, H.L. Gold. For our story tonight has been inspired by one of his recent columns, discussing the exceedingly thin line that sometimes lies between science fiction and science fact, and of the strange use that both Allied and German intelligence made of science fiction during the recent World War II. Our report, of course, is entirely fictional, but similar schemes are known to have been attempted by both sides. And now, here is Project Trojan. The idea of Project Trojan was originally conceived in February of 1943. The Intelligence Plans Commission, an adjunct to Joint Army and Naval Intelligence, was under the command of Colonel Sir Harold Bostwick. The first antecedent of Project Trojan occurred on an afternoon in February. Corporal Arthur Muggeridge was serving tea to Lieutenant Maurice Withering and Captain Amos Mackenzie. Here you are, sir. That's real butter on the bread. I won five pounds of it from one of those yank mess sergeants over at the Crown of Land. Oh, butter, eh? Aye, sir. Mackenzie. Hmm? Well, confounded, man, you might show some interest. Here, Muggeridge tangles with the Eighth Air Force to improve your tea, and you sit there reading. What the devil is so engrossing? No, never mind. If it's me you're worrying about, you needn't, sir. I was cleared for most confidential and top secret before I set foot in the pantry. Oh, what is it, Mackenzie? 
Well, I, I was reading about a fascinating notion. It's a machine, you see, dreadfully ingenious. It's a method of setting up a reverse polarization field about a given metallic surface, say, uh, the plates on a submarine or a tank. Makes them five times as strong. Uh, a little more cream, Muggeridge. It's powdered milk, sir. Uh, hush, lead me to my illusions. Well, Mackenzie, how can you be so calm? Uh, don't you realize what this means? Tanks five times as strong? Is it in production? I mean, when do the first models go into combat? But it's certainly been a well-kept secret. I wouldn't say that. There's about 50,000 people who know all about it here in England. And, of course, a great many more in America. Oh, that's impossible. But I doubt if it will ever be used in combat. But you're stark raving crackers. A secret like... Where did you find this? Now, let me see that. There you are. I... Incredible science fiction. It's an American magazine. You mean this is a story, one of those Jules Verne things? You've been pulling my leg. I? Well, I... I mean, after all... Well, Captain Mackenzie, I hardly think that... Well... Now, don't get stuffy, man. After all, to... Chaff me before the ranks. Uh, oh, I don't mind, sir. But it did have you going, didn't it? Well, it sounded plausible. I, I don't know a confounded thing about electrical fields. And even if you did, it might take you in, huh? You, you see, the trick these science fiction lads do is to take something that's solid as a rock and then to push it just a wee bit forward till you simply can't tell where the science ends and the fiction begins. Mm, still, I, I wish you'd exercise your ingenuity in deceiving Jerry rather than me. Good Lord. That's a fine idea. What is? If an intelligent, brilliant officer and gentleman like yourself might be taken in by a wild tale like this, whom else's leg might we pull? Huh? A muggeridge, another bread and butter sandwich, if you please, and um, uh, take one yourself. <laughs> Lieutenant Withering and Captain Mackenzie worked out preliminary plans for Project Trojan and presented them at an appropriate time to Colonel Sir Harold Bostwick. Well, sir, sit down, Withering, Mackenzie. Oh, thank you, sir. We had breakfast. I understand Corporal Magridge has been playing darts with the Yanks again. There are fresh eggs for breakfast. Uh, we've had breakfast, sir. Oh, well, then. Uh, we have a plan, sir. Uh, oh, capital, capital. You remember, sir, our intelligence reports indicated a concentration of German research scientists working near Hanau. Uh, certainly, I recall. They've got the whole lot of them inside a mountain. We tried bombing. I doubt if they even noticed. They're supplying the basic research for the German guided missile program. Yes, we know that. The reaction motor for the V1s came out of the Hanau lab. Oh, Magrid! You see, sir, if a considerable number of those research scientists were diverted to another project, the rocket program would be crippled. Yes, well, of course it would. Oh, what are you going to do? Advertise in the Times and offer them high wages? Aye, sir. Oh, Muggeridge, this coffee. Ah, ah, no, well, sir. Next time you go to the Crown and Lance, keep coffee in mind, will you? Aye, sir. Only the Yanks are getting fair dabs at darts. It was touch and go with the eggs. Oh, we can only expect you to do your best. I'll try, sir. Well, now, come to the point, gentlemen. Uh, suppose the Germans got hold of one of our top new development weapons. Something so completely overwhelming that they'd have to pull almost every man off rockets to work on it. Now, look here, Mackenzie. Those jelly scientists are not exactly playing about with small boys' chemistry sets. They're a cut above our own chaps in several fields. What makes you think you could plant something on them? Science fiction, sir. I beg your pardon? Do you see this magazine? Yes. Incredible science fiction. I oh, what's that chasing that girl? That's a Martian, sir. You can tell by his tentacles. Mackenzie, are you stringing this along preliminary to applying for compassionate leave on the grounds that you're overworked? No, sir. It's a good plan. We invent a weapon. 
a weapon that might exist but doesn't. And we leave it lying about where the Germans can snaffle it. And then they take most of the scientist fellows off the rocket program to work on our weapon. And that's the most preposterous nonsense I've ever heard. But, sir... I don't want to hear anything more about it. Uh, uh, uh yes, sir. I suppose she was right. Who was right? This Wren. I met her going up to London. Rather proper little type till you got to know her. And then she's rather a firebrand. Uh, Captain Mackenzie, please spare us the sordid details of your off-duty peculation. Uh, sorry, sir. You see, she's the secretary to Admiral Sir Alan Grummins. They're talking of dropping this unit. They feel that other intelligence groups are quite competent to handle the routine, unimaginative work that we've been doing. Oh, oh I see. Mm. Of course, they'd uh, reassign personnel. Mm -hmm. uh, would you say this, uh, this science fiction scheme of yours was uh, imaginative? Oh, it's practically visionary. Well, suppose you do some preliminary work. Thank you, sir. Routine, eh? Unimaginative, eh? Bah! Bah, please. Like bah, humbug. Bah, humbug. Uh, Bob Cratchit? Yes. Sir. Get over here, Bob Cratchit, and put another lump of coal on the fire. That's right. December. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll be seeing that. Oh, yeah. You go every year every to see. Every year to Goodman oh, Theater. Goodman. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I was thinking the other day how much fun it would be to be in a play again. I used to be in plays all the time. I was too. I, gosh, I would love to be. Well, seeing that you work on the weekends at yeah, night, that's it the problem. wouldn't work out for you. I can't join a play because. And that's the only reason. I mean, other than that, you'd, I'm sure you'd have like a lead part. <laughs> <laughs> Singing lead, right? Singing, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> no, but I used to love being in the yeah. plays and I would love to do a play, but can't it's very time consuming Isn't you really it? Yeah. have to devote your life to it for it's, that period of time you know but it's so much fun yeah well you wouldn't get any work done no no <laughs> but uh so i guess it's not in my future it, no you i don't know. think so right now <laughs> anyway we're listening to project trojan on x minus one june 19th 1956 and we'll get back to it in uh just a moment I know that um, because you have your own spaceship and everything, yes. I know that you like to fly around and listen to these sci-fi shows. Well, sure. Why not? That's the perfect thing to listen to. When we should space. have a we should have like um, a drawing. You know, one of our listeners gets to fly in your spaceship with you. I would cost a lot of money, but no, I, give it free. You know, I mean, you I'll know, I'll have to donate it. Pay to it the forward. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carl Amari. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, The Whistler, and Abbott and Costello, consider joining the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time. As curator, the 10 shows I select will be the best sound quality and the most popular, along with a rare show sprinkled in to add to the fun. I'll also send you historical liner notes, plus photos of the radio stars. Members also receive 
receive an email each week with a link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show. The links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 whenever you'd like. The first month membership fee is only $1, with each additional month under $10. And you can cancel at any time with no obligation. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you're supporting this show, so we thank you very much. Join the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Don't forget, folks, we have a free newsletter, and it comes out the very first day of every month, so it's coming out really soon. Just go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. Sign up. It's absolutely free. Just put your email in there, and then every month on the first day, you'll get the new newsletter. The August newsletter's coming out, and um, there's some great articles in there. Lisa wrote an article about um, Preacher Man, wasn't it? Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Yes, it was. Oh. It's about Preacher Man. Um, you know, oh, the song. Is that uh, the one I did this month? Yeah, okay. a song Son of, of a Preacher, preacher man. man. Okay. And then uh, I uh, can't remember what I wrote about. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what I wrote about. But um, anyway, there's all kinds of great articles. And there's also our full schedule. Full schedule. The reason why we don't remember is because we do these months in advance. But the full schedule for August will be in there. Every show is detailed. You not only get the name of the show, like The Shadow, you'll get the date and then the title, like, you know, The Society of the Living Dead or whatever it is. Um, so you uh, you don't have to pay a penny for it. In fact, you pay less than a penny. You pay nothing. You pay zero. It's free. Go to Hollywood360radio.com. And while you're there, sign up for the podcast. Now, that there is a charge for that. It's $5.99 a month. But you get four podcasts a month, four five-hour podcasts sent right to your email. The links never expire. And we are going to be adding next week radio rarities to it. So, yep, that's a pretty good, pretty darn good deal. All right? We're listening to X-1, Project Trojan, from June 19, 1956, here is the conclusion. On the 14th of February, preliminary work was begun on Project Trojan. At first, Lieutenant Withering and Captain Mackenzie worked alone, researching the source material of the project. Slamming the firing keys... Brick blasted down on the Krull warship. Bright beams of crisp destruction lanced out from the giant dreadnought and licked along the plates of Brick's one-man scout. Hmm. Nothing in that one. Uh, what have you got? It's a story about two robots who fall in love. What's the name of that Johnny who came closest? Herman. Jad Herman. Mm. He got half a dozen ideas that are close. Where do you suppose he is? Somewhere in the States, I suppose. Mm. That's no use, then. Why? Uh, look, man, perhaps we can put a query through Central Shafe Intelligence. The Yanks ought to be able to dig up this Herman chap for us. No. It's worth a try. It took seven days for a report to reach IPC that one Jacob David Herman, a private first class in the American Air Force, was based on a field north of Cheltenham in the Gloucestershire area. 
Lieutenant Withering and Captain Mackenzie requisitioned transport and visited Herman at his place of duty. You don't mind if I go ahead with my job, do you? I gotta have this place ready for inspection by 1300. Uh, go right ahead. Hand me the uh, cleaning powder, will you please? Oh, yes. Uh, anyway, so, uh, what do they put in porcelain in England? You break your arm trying to get it clean. Um, Private Herman, you are Jad Herman, writer? Yeah, that's, that's a pen name, Jad. I use it for SF stuff. I used to write for the Confessions under the name of Cynthia Herman. <laughs> I remember one article. I was saved by the YWCA... From a life of shame. <clears throat> uh, we're interested in your science fiction articles at the moment. Oh, yeah? Well, I knew we had some sci-fi fans in England. But we're not exactly uh, sci-fi fans. Uh, we're from... Uh, anybody else here? Well, look for yourself. There's no hiding place down here. Uh, well, um, we're from Intelligence Plans Commission. Uh-huh. Um, we need your assistance, sir, uh, Mr. Herman. No kidding. Yes, we have a project that uh, calls for your particular talents. You got a latrine needs cleaning? We're quite serious, Mr. Herman. Will you kindly pack your things and be ready to come with us within one hour? Oh, I'm sorry, gentlemen. I couldn't possibly leave until after inspection. I've got too much of myself invested in this latrine. But after that, I'm at your service. Private First Class Jacob D. Herman, 32962126, was transferred on special detached duty to Project Trojan and after briefing was set to work on basic plans. Oh, look, Mac, here's the way I see it. If you want to con a scientist, you've got to be pretty straight all the way. You can't get away with more than one phony step in the process. Precisely. Now, here's the way I see it. It's a focusing beam weapon. The electronics on that are square. I used it in a story about two years ago. Fine Schreiber at MIT and Temple and Westover at the Bell Telephone Laboratories worked out the basic field formulas. Oh, you mean it's real? Well, up to a point. Everything's on the level till you get to the catalytic action on the grid. Now, that just won't work. It's a basic problem in physics, and it well, makes the whole thing impossible. But don't the Germans know that? Oh, sure, sure. You see, you make up plans for the weapon, call it a death ray, you let the Germans steal everything but the catalyst formula. They'll think we've got it licked, and they'll break their necks trying to duplicate it before we put the weapon in production. I see. But we can't call it a death ray. Well, how, how about uh, projector electronic grid deflecting type 3? Hmm, that is a brawl ring to it, my lad. I've got the uh, basic idea of the thing, but uh, you'll have to get some of your science boys to work it out. Oh, we'll put a requisition into the Manpower Commission in the morning. <laughs> Doctors Montague, Felder, Harrison, Sisonby and Pilsudski were assigned to Project Trojan and under the direction of Private First Class Jacobs, complete specifications and plans for projector electronic grid deflecting type 3 were drawn up. Project Trojan was ready for phase two. Have we got everything? Blueprints? Check. Specifications? Check. Machine tool inventories? Check. Letter rejecting the plans from the war office? Check. 
Endorsement from Supreme Headquarters, rejecting plans. Check. Note from 10 Downing Street, overriding rejections. Handwritten postscript, build the confounded thing, WC. Check. Uh, don't you think that's going a little too far, the rejections? Not at all. That's the master touch. A rejection of an idea by the war office makes it appear most genuine. All right. Uh, Private Herman, if this thing were real, if it could be built, what would it do? Oh, don't ask. You could blow a hole in a mountain ten miles away. Why, you could knock down a whole wing of bombers without even aiming. Oh, dear. Lucky it won't work. I should say so. Well, now to get this lovely thing into Jerry's hands. Phase three of Project Croton was commenced on the 15th of March, 1943. Central Counterintelligence Agency had discovered the infiltration of a German agent, a Belfast Irishman named Gogarty, into the blueprint division of Clark and Porchester, a printing firm doing some subcontract work for the Air Ministry. Gogarty, the German agent, presumably microfilmed the plans because shortly thereafter he received word that his sister, living in the Irish Free State, was to be married to a bus conductor. British agents attending the wedding disguised as farm labourers lost track of Gogarty for several hours due to circumstances beyond their control. Then we have no way of knowing whether Gogarty delivered the Project Trojan plans. Oh, well, sir, there was a submarine sighted the day before off the coast. It's likely he made contact. Well, they keep me informed. That's all we need now, another disaster. Did something else go wrong? Oh, jolly well right. Muggeridge has been playing darts with the Yanks again. Oh? What have we got this time? Butter or beefsteak? Nothing. The blight has lost my whole month's whiskey ration. Now the cover operation supporting Project Trojan was undertaken. A battalion of the Royal Engineers was detailed to practice at secret installations with wooden mock-ups of the projector. A lance corporal in this detachment, a volunteer afterwards awarded the George Medal, was court-martialed and sentenced to seven years' hard labour for revealing information about the project while drunk on a three-day leave to Tynecastle. This particular aspect of Project Trojan has been in the news recently, inasmuch as several backbench Labour members of Parliament have asked questions in the House as it came out that the corporal served the full seven years and wasn't released until 1951. The Home Secretary explained that this was an unfortunate oversight and there were jeers from the opposition, with Mr. Anoidin Bevan taking the occasion to call for the resignation of the government. At the time, March and April 1943, the Intelligence Plans Commission awaited reports from British operatives. Sir, there's been a shift in assignment at the research laboratories at Hanau. Professor Schlickmann and Drs. Hirsch, Vansulau and Grishman have been transferred from rocket research to another project. Trojan? We must assume so. But that's only four men. But they're the top experts in electronics, chemistry and metallurgy. If they're really working on Trojan, we've set the German rocket program back a year while their scientists go yelping off after a red herring. Well, let's hope so. Bring me any further reports as soon as received. British intelligence reports filtering back through occupied Norway and neutral Sweden continued to indicate the success of Project Croton. Four more top scientists were known to be transferred from the rocket research base at Peenemünde to the Hanau laboratories. 
definite knowledge was obtained that the new assignment was a startling new weapon agreeing in detail with Project Trojan. <laughs> what a sally, McKinsey. What a stunt. Yes, sir. We shall have to have a little party to celebrate. We'll have that Herman chap in for a drink. I've been sending Muggeridge off to play darts with some of the free French over at Germain Manor. He ought to be back soon with the champagne. <laughs> Pour all round. Private Herman? Thank you. All right now, to the projector, electronic grid deflecting type 3. The biggest fraud since the South Sea bubble. Colonel <laughs> Oh, Withering, take a glass. <laughs> We're just drinking to Trojan. Yeah, well, I think I'd rather not, sir. Uh, well, what do you mean? There's a dispatch from Germany. What about it? A section of the mountain overlooking Hanau has disappeared. What? It's true. It was on the reconnaissance maps yesterday, and it was gone this morning. A ten-mile slice of mountain. <laughs> That's impossible. Oh, it isn't. It works. Trojan works. But it can't. There's no catalyst. It's impossible. All our scientists said so. Well, I guess they were wrong. It works. They must have found the catalyst. I suppose we should have foreseen that. All those scientists working on it. They must have built the model and tried it out. It won't take them more than three months to put it into production. Well, here goes the war. Muggeridge. Aye, sir. Fill the glasses up again. Intelligence Plans Commission now waited for additional dispatches concerning the reaction to Project Trojan in Germany. It was decided as a matter of policy to confine knowledge of these latest developments to the personnel of the project. Anything new, Mackenzie? No, sir, except that aerial reconnaissance confirms the damage to the mountain at Hanau. It's not quite as extensive as the first dispatch, but uh, it is a bit of a hole. Oh, what do they think caused it? The air ministry seems to feel that an ammunition dump must have blown up. Couldn't that be it? I'm afraid not, sir. We have an intelligence report about several captured British and American tanks being brought to Hanau for testing. They were spotted the next day, completely destroyed. Trojan? Trojan. There's been an alert at factories producing parts for V-1 and V-2 rockets to prepare for retooling. Uh, going to make the projector? It would seem so, sir. Well, I suppose I'd better go up to London tomorrow and make a clean breast of it. I'm afraid so, sir. Well, that's the end. Seems rather unsporting, doesn't it? Just handing the war over to them. I hate to think what the war office will say. Not to mention the Prime Minister. <laughs> Project Trojan was nearing its closing phase. At precisely 0600 the next morning, Colonel Sir Harold Bostwick ordered his staff car and, taking a thermos of tea, proceeded to leave his office. Just before the staff car got underway, Lieutenant Withering appeared with another dispatch, accompanied by Captain Mackenzie and Private Herman. Colonel Bostwick, sir... Uh, wait. So what is it, Withering? Another dispatch. Well, don't please. It's bad enough. Uh, there's been another disaster at Hanau. They knocked another mountain with our little present to them? No, sir. They've knocked themselves out. What? The laboratory under the mountain. It's exploded. It has? Went up like a Roman candle. We've got pictures. There was a flight of mosquito bombers over at the time. What, what, what happened? The projector. It backfired. How do you know? It had to. That's why the catalyst is impossible. 
You see, the metal fatigue on the grid is a function of... Never mind, never mind. Are you sure? Yes, sir. We have a reliable agent's report. The Germans are completely confused. They were operating the projector under a top-secret designation. Nobody knew any of the details except the dozen scientists working on it. And they were inside the laboratory when it blew. Our man was in the rescue squad. There isn't a thing left, sir. Plans, models, or scientists. Sir, do you realize that Project Trojan was a success? We've diverted a dozen top scientists from the rocket program permanently. Well, do you think we'll be decorated? Lieutenant Withering, inasmuch as we came particularly close to handing the whole war to the Germans on a silver platter, I suggest we forget Project Trojan. Oh, yes. Yes, I see, of course. You're very canny, sir. I think we had all better return to precisely what we were doing before the whole nasty mess started. The final phase of Project Trojan was completed on the 22nd of March, 1943. The file, through some inadvertent error, was lost before the Intelligence Plans Commission had a chance to report to the War Office. All personnel returned to their previous assignment. All right, all right. No splashing on the floor. I got to get this latrine ready for inspection by 1300. You have just heard X-1 presented by the National Broadcasting Company in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, which this month features the William Ten novelette Time in Advance. The story of a man who made a strange bargain and endured the worst the galaxy had to offer so that someday he could make the Earth sweat. Galaxy Magazine, on your newsstand today. Tonight by transcription, X-1 has brought you Project Trojan, an original story by Ernest Canoy based on an idea contained in an editorial in Galaxy written by H.L. Gold. Featured in the cast were Burford Hampton, Alastair Duncan... Ivor Francis, Alfred Shirley, Bill Quinn, and your narrator was Alfred Hislip. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Daniel Sutter and is an NBC Radio Network production. That's X minus one project Trojan starring Burford Hampton. Um, he was actually in a lot of stuff. I, when I looked him up because I didn't ever hear that name. I had never heard that name before. Um, and he did a lot of acting. And so uh, he was the star of the show. Um, Alfred Shirley in here, Alistair Duncan, William Quinn, and of course, Fred Collins doing the announcing. This was a story by H.L. Gold. He was a sci-fi writer of the 1940s and 50s. Hope you enjoyed X-1. It's time now for This Month in Music History. That's right, and we're going uh, to do songs that have come out in the last year. Mm. So uh, see if you recognize this one. Okay. I think I've seen this film before And I didn't like the ending I'm not your problem anymore So who am I offending now? You're my crown Now I'm in thinking you know her. seeing you out. You like her. I think I've seen Taylor Swift? Yes! It is? Yes! You recognize her voice? 
Yeah, kinda. She's a great songwriter. She is. So this is called Exile. It's by Taylor Swift, and it features Bone Ever. Who? Bone Ever. And so she's singing with him right there. Bone Ever. Song. It's on her album called Folklore. It's one what? <laughs> it's on her album called Folklore, and the name of the song is Folk- Exile. Folklore? Correct. Okay. And the name of the song is Exile. Hmm. She's a very talented person. I I'll think tell she's you. gotten so much better, too, since when she started. She is a great writer. I mean, she's a terrific performer, mm-hmm. but she writes her own songs. Yep, I mean, She, she writes about relationships primarily, you know? It's like, you know, this guy she dated or whatever, you know? Yep, well, she's how, young. How, how it didn't work out. <laughs> uh, angst, a lot of angst. <laughs> yeah, all right, well, thanks, Lisa. Sure. Taylor Swift there, huh? All right, stick around. More of Hollywood 360 coming your way. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Well, Lisa, that's a wrap. Uh, Join us next week for another edition of Hollywood 360. We'll present the Burns and Allen Show, the mysterious traveler, Casey Crime photographer, the Frank Sinatra Show, and hop along, Cassidy. What do you think of that lineup? I think I'll probably be here. You like it? I like it. All right. Don't forget, watch my weekly podcast series at thefilmdetective.com. From my co host, Lisa Wolf, our executive producer, Mike Costello. Mike, you did a great job as always, buddy. Thank you. Always. And uh, my crabby brother, Vince Amari, who does not like the great Gildersleeve. No. He really, really, well, really doesn't. That no. This is Carl Amari saying stay safe, be healthy, and thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.